On this Football Friday, we've got William Valtus on this episode of Across the Line. And it's a fascinating journey that he shares with us on this episode. Only 18 years of age, but has plied his trade in the Philippines, in Phuket, and now in the United States with Wake Forest University. So we get an opportunity to unpack his journey and sort of the traits required to bring him to this stage in his footballing career. It's a fantastic episode and one we really enjoyed having. So we hope you enjoy it as well. If you enjoy this episode, if you enjoy the content that we provide here on Across the Line, please do subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the show. It's not very often in the Philippines that we export footballing talent over to other parts of the world. We do import a lot of uh, talents that are produced abroad and bring them over here to the Philippines. Today, we've got the privilege of talking to one of the young talents that is blooming abroad in the United States, to be particular. On the show today is William Valtos. Welcome to the show, man. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, Jing Hamlang on the show alongside Chris Greatwich, as usual, who's just fresh from a little trip back in England. How yeah. was that? Yeah, very good. Very good. Uh, cold. Actually, not too cold. Warmer than, than usual. Um, but still, yeah, much colder than here. And uh, yeah, we had a nice family Christmas yeah. vacation. And my son managed to play a little bit of football while he was there. So that was, that was nice. Yeah, I think it sort of ties in a little bit with having Will on the show. We've talked a lot about youth football. Yeah. Um, in in recent episodes, um, some positive, some negative experiences from from my time there, um, and I think the overarching sort of fr- uh, thing that theme that came from that particular trip for me was that we're doing a lot of good things here in the Philippines. Right. I think we've we've done a lot of things of highlighting a lot of the negatives that have been involved with youth football, but having gone to the UK and and seen some of the things that are going on in youth football, one of the things that came out of it was actually that no I think we are doing some some positive things certainly with my academy certainly with some like-minded football schools that are out there so from that perspective I think it was re- it was really good but one of the reasons why we wanted to have William um, segueing into <laughs> into you is we have a, have a we've had a lot of people on the show who have experienced football abroad uh-huh. and have brought their talents to the Philippines to play in, with the national team to play yeah. in, in in the Philippines uh, Philippine youth uh, Philippine professional league here but you've gone the opposite route. So you, you're one who's, who's grown up in the system here <laughs> yeah. for, for a large period and then now applying your, your trade in, in, in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, so really we want to try to unpack that a little bit in, sure. in this interview and talk about your experiences within the youth football seg- segment here mm-hmm. and also what your current situation is in, in America. Because yeah, as Jing said in the intro, you're fresh off your, your first season at, at Wake Forest, Division yeah. One NCAA football over there. H- how did you find it? Tough, definitely. Yeah. I mean, in terms of adjustment, um, culture-wise, you know, football-wise, it was kind of a shock. Um, levels very high, yeah. that's for sure. And just you know, you got to balance academics with football, um, and you know, you, you got to choose sometimes <laughs> which to prioritize. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been good so far. I learned a lot. Good. Yeah. Good. So just just for everyone, I mean, you've had a really really good season, haven't you? Yeah. I, I I follow college soccer quite closely mm-hmm. I haven't been there myself my two brothers went there but tell us a li- little bit about how your season progressed with with the team yeah so uh, we made it to the final four so the semifinals uh, fortunately we lost though to Virginia um, I mean it, with Wake Forest with the standards I feel every time we don't make it to the final four it's the season's called like a failure yeah which just shows the expectations and the pressure put on us as players yeah um, and as the program yeah, it was such a blessing as my in my freshman year to go to the final four with a great team. Um, you know, it was a it was a tough season. We dealt with a lot of adversity, which I think helped us get to the point we did. You know, a lot of injuries to our our starters. We had two ACLs um, to our starting wingers. Right. We had our sets at points. Two of our starting center backs were injured at the same time, so we had get our left back at center back at, for one game. Right. So yeah, just you know, adapting I think was crucial for us this season, and we did pretty well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What position do you play, Will? So now I play, I've been played more as a winger. Um, sometimes seeing like a right back, which is also an, another uh, change, I guess, because I used to play midfield a lot, you know, mm. especially here in, uh, in Thailand. And you had to go there and move out to the wing. I definitely had to learn as fast as I could. Um, system's very different, but it's, it's been good so far. I feel like I'm slowly getting there. Yeah. Do you get a lot of playing time over there? Well, I played, I made about four appearances, um, which you know, I'm fairly happy with, definitely very happy with. Um, team is 
very strong, especially as a winger. Mm. Got some really, really good players, and it's just great to learn from them as well. But the chances that I did come in was just, it was yeah, it was incredible. And playing in front of the fans, um, you learn a lot, especially just playing games, for sure. I think, yeah, just to, to broaden the perspective for some of the listeners or viewers with, with in terms of the level that Will's probably playing at. I mean, Wake Forest are perennial national powerhouses in that Division One pro- yep. uh, soccer soccer scene and whenever a lot of these teams do European trips, they will often play against top European academies or under-23 mm-hmm. development squads. Yep. And they would routinely beat these types yeah. of teams. I remember even when I was in America, I think I think it might have been Wake Forest. I forget. It was it was certainly one of the North Carolina programs. Mm-hmm. I think they went to, to Bayern Munich and they beat their under-20s, under something like 4-5-0. <laughs> and wow. people, people looking at it like, well, who's this? But the, the level is extremely high. It it's certainly comparable to... I would say probably one of the lower tier, probably English professional sides. I don't know how you would probably compare it, but I would imagine they would be better than most, if not all of the teams participating here in the in the PFL, I, I would say. Yeah. I, I would certainly say that your Wake Forest team would give Ceres a very good game. Would you agree? I, I, I mean... Would you, would you think you'd beat them? That's, that's, I, don't, I know. To give I know. it a comparison of, in terms of the level. I'm not sure about beat because of the experience in the yeah. side, but I def- definitely a good game. I think technically a lot of my teammates could match them. Yep. I mean, I'm playing with guys who are, you know, going to go to the MLS, go yes. to Europe. I'm assuming some sure. are going in the draft now. Oh, yeah. So we yep. got two players going in the draft. But the thing is, a majority of, our, of my teammates, especially in Wake, they sign homegrown contracts because yep. they've already been with MLS teams. Yep. And that's how you go to the MLS. So a few should sign some MLS contracts and maybe a few in Europe. We should wow. see. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. How did, how did, uh, so, you know, obviously we're talking a little bit about Wake Forest now, but I'm very much interested in how do you get into a, a program that is as prestigious as one like Wake Forest? Hard work. Uh, and the, a lot, you need a lot of support. I was lucky that my, my dad helped me a lot with the college process because I had no idea what was going on. Uh, <laughs> I, was just, I was just having, you know, training as hard as I could and just trying to enjoy time with my friends. Um, and you really help behind the scenes in terms of, you know, getting everything sorted for me. Documents, which was mm-hmm. really stressful for sure, coming from being an international student and transferring halfway through high school with the transcripts that caused a lot of problems. Mm. But yeah, it's, um, I think definitely my dad helped a lot for sure. Cause talk, uh, talk to us about the process because one of the reasons why we wanted to get you on the show, yeah. just, just sort of diving into this, um, this part of, of the interview is we have a lot of listeners there, yeah, young kids who aspire mm-hmm. to play at, at the highest level. We've got parents who want to do their best for their kids. Yeah. We've got a lot of people who perhaps aspire to go and play abroad, whether it be professional level, whether or a lot in our instance, a lot of people were interested in pursuing the the academic career in, uh-huh. in the U, in the US. But talk talk to me about the process because I believe you used a a, a recruiting um, organization to help yeah. you build your your um, your CV, build mm-hmm. your sort of network with, yeah. with other schools, and then from there we're able to connect with uh, with Wake Forest. Is that yeah. correct? So I think we partnered with a company called Added Sport, and mm-hmm. they've helped a lot of athletes, yeah. um, you know, not just in football, but in golf, uh, I think basketball, tennis, for mm-hmm. sure. And so they already had connections with all these, like, big powerhouse universities. But it was for them it was more like Ivy Leagues for, like, the smarter kids. <laughs> um and for me, I was—I just wanted like the best football I could get, you know, just to push myself. And so they, that, they were able to get in contact with Wake Forest. And so I did a few trips my sophomore year of high school when I was still in, in the Philippines. I went to the U.S. for a week and it was just constant traveling each day to a new university, meeting with coaches, getting my name out there, introducing myself, um, seeing if there's interest. And, and added sports were the ones that connected you with all of these coaches or was it some stuff that you were doing yourself? So they just gave me the emails and I just had to send, like, I send the emails to all, like, 50 coaches, you know? Oh, wow. Okay. It was, just, it was <laughs> definitely very stressful because, you know, you can't really mess that up or else <laughs> that's a connection lost. Right. Um, so, yeah, it was, they just, like, kind of helped me through it and then I decided to put it out. Talk to me about the email. I'm, I'm, in, I'm intrigued with this, this, yeah. this aspect because I think people don't really see this, this part of it. Mm-hmm. Is you have to do your due diligence. Oh, and what yeah. you said there is really interesting is if you want to send an email yeah. to a coach and you mess that up, <laughs> that connection is lost. What, what do you mean by that? So, I mean, in my, in my case, I, for one of my, the first times I sent emails, it was like 10 p.m. at night. Um, I just finished homework. I was about to go to sleep. because I had to wake up the next morning at like 6 to train. And I, I got a text that I had to send all these emails out tonight because it was a deadline. And 
So I I, uh, I messed up two of the coaches' names and like reversed them by accident. And yeah, th that happened and I didn't hear back from them, which is <laughs> unfortunate, but right. you know, it happens. But in terms of the email, so my, the initial email I sent was just an introduction to me. You know, I did some research on each of the schools, put something there like, oh, congrats on your game, congrats on your win. Um, introduce myself, who am I, where am I from, position, then like I'm interested in you know your, your college, your university. Then like I attached a, a CV and some highlight videos and then just shot that off, yeah. I think that's a really under, uh, undervalued aspect of any kind of uh, recruitment process that a lot of people miss out mm -hmm. is that the detail you have to pay attention to when you send emails, when yeah. you send uh, video clips, when you send any, anything, anything that's interactive between you and a mm -hmm. coach is so vitally important because mm -hmm. your first impression that you make with that coach is yeah. so important. It's so important. And it if is. you get it wrong, like you <laughs> said, it's, it's, it's over. It's In 99% of, of instances, I'll tell you one where I got it wrong. Uh, I sent an email on my brother's behalf and fortunately the two coaches actually knew each other, made a joke out of it, and actually my brother went to the school <laughs> where the mistake was made. So it, it, sometimes it actually works in, in your favor, but only because the coach knew me, so he kind of let me off. But the, the level of due diligence that, that you have talked about mm -hmm. is something that I think is, uh, it's, it's overlooked by a lot mm -hmm. of kids going through this process. They think, oh, I might just send an email, I should send a couple of emails yeah. out and they should respond. These coaches get, hundreds of emails yeah a day a day <laughs> a day from kids all over the world mm -hmm. and and a lot of people will come back oh he didn't, re he didn't respond to me so therefore he doesn't want you you probably just sent the email he, he, you know he might have been it might have two in the morning his time exactly right he might have been at a game at the time <laughs> yeah. he received that email he's not going to respond to you straight away mm -hmm. so you know you have to have a the professionalism to to make sure that those emails are well written mm -hmm. that they're constructed appropriately that they've got the, the, the prerequisite information that they're after exactly, yeah. and also yeah, and also that you are paying a vested interest into that program mm -hmm. how many blast emails do I get on a that's just a template yeah you know it's, it's not I know that you sent that email to 25 yeah. other teams why would I take you on with the fact that you've taken the time to obviously do a little do your research do mm -hmm. your due diligence find out a little bit about the program I think that makes a huge difference. And obviously, yeah. it's testament to the fact that you've managed for to get sure. into a good school. Yeah. Somewhere down the line, it's obviously <laughs> paid off for you big time. Exactly. Which is great. I'm interested, like, how many how many responded to you? Out of, like, 50? You said 50 coaches, right? Well, that was on that one night. So, like, <laughs> maybe, like, oh, wow. I said, like, a solid 100. Yeah? Throughout the course. Um, I think a lot did respond. Um, maybe 70%. Oh, is, really? Okay. Pretty good. That's good. Um, and the ones that didn't, I mean... It was okay because I got a, quite a. I was able to narrow down from the seventy that did respond. Yeah. And so then I I worked on the second email, um, which was more of just, you know, planning to come out maybe come visit and then from then I kind of gauged their interest in me like from saying that I wanted to come visit them and they're like yeah sure come along then, I, I planned trips to to visit their universities and meet with the coaches and then that was like the second step, um, and then from that from that step I I was able to see just from meeting from the coaches because. Obviously, coach is a big, big part of uh, the team. And so from all the, all the meetings, I was able to pick kind of which ones I felt more comfortable with and also just from the, the program of the school. Uh, so I kind of had to find like the intersection between like um, the academics, the football program, and, you know, if I enjoyed like my time with the coach. And from there, I, you know, I told them I was interested in coming to the camps, which was, again, a, a big part as an international. Mm -hmm. The, the ID camps, which are big. So I, you, yeah, so you, you attended the ID camps. Mm -hmm. So how many different schools were you attending ID camps? Uh, just so everyone knows, those ID camps often have crossover with coaches that yeah, are different sure. schools. Mm -hmm, exactly. they go, so yeah. you're, you're obviously still in a shop window with probably yeah. dozens of, of, of other coaches from mm -hmm. other, other programs. So, so yeah. how did you sort of navigate that? So I, uh, my very first ID camp I did was actually like when I was in ninth grade, so way before any of this, but that was just, I kind of did it just because my dad wanted to put me out there. Right. And it was just for fun. Like I was still young, I just wanted to play. Yeah. So I did a um, a Stanford and a Northwestern camp with one of my friends. Um, and I was, I had no idea what those schools were. <laughs> right. I, maybe yeah. I heard of Stanford, but I was just, again, it was my, be, just being exposed to that college, uh, you know, kind of the life, I guess, living in dorms and stuff. And it was only maybe like four years later where I did, I kind of narrowed it down. So I did a Syracuse camp, which was in New York. Mm -hmm. And that was, kind of my real kind of eye-opener to what these camps will be about and the quality of players. Which is where Louis Clark went? 
Louis Clark went to really? Syracuse, yeah, just so you know. Oh. My old college coach was yeah. the uh, was the coach at Syracuse. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so I went to Syracuse, and then the net the this was in April of 2018, and then in the summer of 2018, I went to uh, Wake Forest, Northwestern, and Georgetown because mm-hmm. of the other three schools that I liked. Um, uh, so Northwestern was interested, and so I talked to them for a bit. Georgetown. Uh, w- weren't so interested, and Wake Forest was. And I was very fortunate that they were interested. Right. Um, and so, I, I picked a uh, Wake Forest because it was, for me, it was kind of no brainer. It was yeah. just the school with the best program, incredible facilities, just great, you know, opportunity. So I was just kept in contact with the coaches. You know, we just, um, yeah, we just, again, communication is super important. You gotta always talk to them, show you're interested. So yeah, we're just talking and talking, and then you know we finalized something where I was able to go and join the team, which is great. You guys talking over email? Email, text. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like WhatsApp and stuff like that? What's uh, iMessage majority of the okay. time. Yeah. All right. Just just, just keep it in touch with the coach, huh? Yeah. Okay. That's how that works. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when you go through that, that process, you obviously, you kind of figure out, right, this is the, this is the school mm-hmm. that I, I, I want to, that I want to go to. What, once you make that jump, so you make that, you sign the, commi- you sign a commitment letter no, or no, no. How, how did it work? So I was recruited very late. Um, I think it was maybe the, the January of my senior year. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's, so that's that really late. Very, yeah. very yeah. late. Yeah. I started the process very late as well. Um, so, I, I mean, I kind of just came onto the team during, during that summer and just like, kind of, just, yeah, and just joined from there. Yeah. So yeah. No, <laughs> like unveiling. No, 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 okay. no, no. All right. So what, what I want to, what I want to find out a little bit more about is there's obviously that that point where you you have to make that commitment mm-hmm. and you say right well, I, I want to attend Wake Forest um, for those who don't know Wake Forest is yeah a renowned sporting school not just for football uh, Tim Duncan went there mm. um, famous famous basketball player Chris Paul Chris Paul oh, okay yeah. Chris Paul went there yeah so what was it about Wake Forest that separated themselves because Georgetown is also a great school mm-hmm. Northwestern is a great school yeah. so what was it about um, Wake Forest that, that separated themselves from these other programs and then also what is it about um, the sort of the non-footballing side that, that appealed for you about going to Wake Forest um, well first of all just it's you know well, world renowned for being one of the best college soccer programs mm-hmm. if not the best um, so in terms of level and what program would suit me best because I just wanted to push myself and be playing with the best players. Wake Forest was a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, and it's going to sound corny, but culture as well was a very, very big thing. And just when I went to the camps of Northwestern, Georgetown, and Wake Forest, Wake Forest is really just, you know, it's a win and just developing people. It's more of developing you as a person, not just in football, but after it. Mm-hmm. So that was also a big thing. With Northwestern, I, it's not really known for, you know, for soccer. Um, and it was more just academics, I feel. Because it is a very, very good school. Mm-hmm. It was Georgetown. Um, the culture was, I'll j- I don't think I would f- fit in well uh, with the people there right. just going around the campus. So I think uh, Wake Forest was the best fit. Yeah. Yeah. And then with, with Wake Forest, like you said, I mean, academically, it's also a very good yeah, school. Yeah, for sure. What, what, in terms of the sort of collegiate experience, what, what was it that appealed to you about potentially being in? Is it Winston Salem, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> Winston Salem, there's not that much. <laughs> right. So yeah. I mean, but I knew I wouldn't like. It would be good as well because there's no distractions. Yeah, it's very true. For sure, and I would be very busy. And I saw that uh, last season, just nonstop football. I don't think there was a, like a day where I actually rested. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, yeah, it was been very intense, and it was just it was perfect. Mm-hmm. When when you're in that sort of soccer season, it's it's yeah. so difficult to manage your time because mm-hmm. you you go in from. Do you train in the morning or afternoon? So. It would majority of the time was in the afternoon. Yeah, so you go into class obviously from yeah, eight till straight. probably t- two yeah. or three o'clock, then straight onto the training field, mm-hmm. then eat, do your homework, yeah. then it's back on the grind. Yeah, for, you know, straight after th- mm-hmm. for for the next day's um, classes. How did you find that sort of balance? How did you manage? And the other thing you have to transition. Uh-huh. Is is also the, the sort of the social aspect yeah. because it's for the f- I'm guessing for the first you were away you were away from home in, in Thailand oh for sure for, yeah. or, or also so perhaps you've had a little bit of grounding kind of used to it with mm-hmm. with that but how did you find that sort of that transition from going from yeah I mean having most of your day mapped out for you to right now actually you're mm-hmm. responsible for dealing exactly. with every aspect of your life yeah tough um, 
training is very intense and I saw that firsthand in preseason when there was no classes but and we were training twice a day and like I was just trying to find as much time as I could to sleep and eat because I remember the very first session I had the very first uh, preseason session <laughs> majority like us, out of us freshmen I was after 20 minutes I was wheezing like I was wanted to cry some of my friends were on like all fours like about to throw up but then they were just pretending to stretch so coach wouldn't see them it was, it was one of the toughest sessions I've ever done it probably is the toughest session I've ever done yeah. um and so when the season started I was like okay maybe just it's gonna be one session a day I mean like it that then there was classes I didn't take that into account yeah. you know you got games um and along with that you have gym sessions which uh, the freshmen really did in the morning because you just wanted to get better. You know, we're young and just yeah. want to push ourselves as much as we could. So we did like every day in the morning before classes. Mm-hmm. So we go into classes just dead and then come out of classes still dead and then go to training and you got to find energy somewhere yeah. because again, the expectations are so high. There's a lot of pressure. Mentally, you've got to be focused in. There's no room for error mentally. I think that's the biggest thing I found out. Just the difference from... In terms of level, like you can obviously talk about it being good and all the players are super good, but mentally everyone's just tuned in, like it's laser focus, which mm. is crazy. Yeah. Mm. How lo- how long did you know that you wanted to pursue this path? Football. Yeah. So I, st- so I started playing when I was like eleven, and then it was you know it was just for fun. Then maybe when I was thirteen, I was like, okay, you know, I like the sport; it's getting more competitive. Then maybe by like fifteen, I was like, okay, I want to go pro. Like I just want to become a professional. Fifteen. So that's what like your. What, what, what are you in high school at that point yeah oh maybe 14 14 14 uh-huh. so you're just getting into high school yeah around that time yeah all right you made that decision that you were going to play abroad or that you were just going to pursue it professionally here in the I, philippines i always wanted to like go to be, be the best player i could be and reach for the highest that i could and so that was always kind of just europe i feel um mm. it was always just trying to go there and, and see where it takes me and try and keep pushing and pushing and pushing yeah what what changed between when you started at 11 to then deciding three years later that right now i really want to i really want to pursue this was it a coach was it just something innate within you Mm -hmm. did you just enjoy the game what what was it about football that made you think well i really want to pursue this as a career i think first of all the enjoyment of it like i just loved it so much Mm -hmm. you know i finally found something that resonated with me um because before that i would just i just a normal kid. I didn't know what I was doing. I can't even remember what I was doing before football. Um, probably just messing around. Like, there was no direction anywhere. So definitely the enjoyment. Um, definitely there was something inside that was kind of, like, telling me that, you know, you should do this. Like, you know, you love it. Love for the sport. Um, I don't know. Just everything that came with football, I feel. Just I wanted to make it a big part of my life and spend a lot of my, you know, adult years pursuing it. Especially just, again, that kind of obsession at the time of just doing the best I could and like pushing and trying to get as far as I can within the sport you know what I want to I want to find out a little bit more about mm-hmm. is the fact that you said you started playing football at 11 mm-hmm. yeah right which is quite late for, yeah. for football yeah. so what what were you doing I'm assuming you were doing sort of physical activities yeah. bef- before that <laughs> or like what, what what how did you sort of segue into football yeah. were you doing other activities I, was, I did fencing for seven years <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah. because, because of Star Wars I just wanted to learn how to sword fight lightsaber style. Yeah. And um, I think after seven years, I didn't progress on to the next blade, which is called the saber. And so <laughs> I remember my last session, I cried for like three hours because I realized that he hadn't moved me on. And in, in that session, I broke like two swords, just like doing repetitions, just out of pure anger and angst. And then after that, I think I quit. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then I think the story was with football in so one of the summers like maybe 2011, oh, I think it was 2011. Um, oh, so I, I was 10, sorry, 10. Okay. Uh, we went to Chicago for uh, a summer holiday and we went to the Nike town. And I remember looking at all the shoes on the rack, like all the sneakers. And there was a pair, at the time I didn't know, but it was a pair of like Tiempos, mm-hmm. Tiempo Legends mm-hmm. with like the black tongue. Mm. It's like, wow, those are sick. And I asked my dad if he could buy them for me. I was like, do you know what these are? It's like, no, but they're sick. <laughs> He's like, well, they're soccer shoes, you know, if, if I buy it, you gotta start playing. And then I just started playing. So you never played at all I, I think I played that. when I was like three years old right. for, <laughs> for in, uh, an MSA or something yeah um, for I think like a month or two right and then I quit because <laughs> I, I would stand on the field and just not do anything and then we I think we won the finals and I, I cried because I didn't get a medal um, but it was because like I wasn't actually contributing at all to the team okay and uh, yeah I remember and I just quit that as well so, so, you, <laughs> so you didn't play between pretty much the age of three four yes until 10 yeah 
when you got a new pair of Nike tempos yeah. and decided, ah, <laughs> your dad said, right, you have to play now. I'm going to buy yeah, these yeah. shoes for you. Uh-huh. And, and I, I think for me, can I just, I, I'm mm. always pushing my own agenda here, right? <laughs> uh, as, as you all know, like I'm, I'm a huge advocate for people doing multiple sports or mm-hmm. doing different sports. I'm not, I'm not a fan of early specialization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things that we've, we've really unpacked in the last, last sort of month is talking about youth football because I, we, we, had, a, we had an interview that was parents, could, parents or viewers, listeners, but it ended up being a lot of parents could ask me anything. And a lot of the questions were, were pertaining to youth football. And uh, a lot of them are like, you know, I've got this young kid, uh-huh. they, they, they want to be a pro, <laughs> they want to do this, they want to do that. And it transpires that the kid's like eight or nine years old. And yeah. <laughs> my, my thing is always like, listen, you need to back off because this kid just needs to have fun oh, and, and develop. Sure and, and I'm guessing what you're saying is your main sort of source of enjoyment from sport came from fencing. And, well, maybe not, maybe not enjoyment, but <laughs> you enjoy the sport yeah, that yeah, you, yeah. you the most serious about up until uh-huh. the age of 10 yeah. was fencing. You know, yeah. So it, it doesn't have to be that you are specializing in a sport from the age of six or seven and it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't progress to be playing at a mm-hmm. really good level mm-hmm. which is where you're at right now mm-hmm. and harbor these desires to want to be a professional footballer it doesn't have to be that way by the sounds of what you're saying i don't want to put words in your mouth mm-hmm. is that you've obviously tried one sport it got to a certain level yeah. didn't work out and then you came to the game quite late mm-hmm. but have still found yourself in a position whereby you really want to pursue this as a, sure. as a professional career uh-huh is that right yeah I think a good example of you know how early specialization you know, shouldn't doesn't really exist or I'm not really a big fan of it is I saw on Instagram the other day um, a five-star basketball recruit committed to a university so I, you know, I went on his Instagram page scrolled down and I found out he was also playing football like American football <laughs> and yeah. he was like maybe like a three four-star recruit in that sport as well and I was like that's 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 ridiculous he's a f- like five four star in both these sports yeah and basketball in the u.s is huge being a five-star recruit in in any sport for yeah. college is ridiculous let alone basketball you know that's a perennial nba player yeah there. yeah um and to be in football as well it's you know it's crazy like a lot of people are multi-talented and i feel like you just be, you play as much as you can and then maybe towards the you know the latter stage of your high school or college career then you can choose which sport you want to focus on or maybe even a bit earlier but yeah that's awesome, man. So you're 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 playing, f- you're doing fencing for a long time, six seven years. Do uh-huh. you feel like if some of that translated over to your football mm. game at all? <laughs> um, I, I can't I can't really think of anything because <laughs> it was just me just standing there and like walk, walking back and forth trying to poke someone right with over this like a, a tin like a foil, uh, which is the name of the, the the blade I was at. Maybe it introduced me to a bit of like the competitive nature of sports because okay. I had my very first tournament. Um, played it pretty well in, like I was probably seven, eight at the time, and I just I like I, I enjoyed the rush I got from it, just mm. competing. So maybe that could have been something. But besides that, I don't I don't <laughs> think, you know, the sword correlated to football that much. So yeah. after your fencing career, you get your tempos and then you <laughs> yeah. jump straight into football <laughs> yeah. in, in British School Manila. Uh, y- so yes, I played a bit. I was kind of hesitant to join the school because I was kind of scared. So I did MFC first, and I stayed with MFC for a long time after that. But yeah, MFC kind of with my friends, and then I enjoyed. I found more enjoyment, you know, in uh, McCaddy. So I was lucky to join there. And after that, I got more confidence, built my confidence, and then I tried out for BSM team, for the BSM team, and you know, I was lucky to get in, mm-hmm. and it just started developing from there. Mm-hmm. BSM, you went into an academy as well, a club yeah. academy mm-hmm. here in the Philippines, and then. I understand you went to uh, abroad for the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Around what time or what age was that when you when you went abroad? So I went. I moved to Thailand my halfway through my junior year. So I think I was seventeen at the time, or maybe just sixteen. Um, and so yeah, so I, I moved at, uh, during Christmas to Thailand and spent my the rest of my year twelve. We call it year twelve there, and then I finished my uh, high school degree there. Um, yeah, it was an incredible time for sure. How do, how do you get recruited over to Thailand or did you just transfer over? How does that, how did that pan out? So I, cause I was playing with the British school. We play a lot of tournaments against other British schools within the area. So we mm. played a tournament in February called senior games. And that was my first introduction to BISP in Phuket. And I remember, um, my coach at BSM, uh, Alan Dunstan was going on about how these guys are really good. You know, they produce a lot of really good players. Um, some of their players have gone on like sporting Lisbon, Benfica. Um, and so, you know, the, we were scared and we played them. And I think 
it was our very first game when we played them and we lost i think we lost one nil they scored last minute and i was like wow like th these guys are really good you know there's really good level and i think i was I made able to play well and show well and for the rest of that tournament i think i did really well as well um i brought you know our team made it to the semifinals. I was able to score a couple of goals and I caught the eye of the coach. But during that time I had no, you know, like I, I did I had no plans on leaving BSM. Um I was enjoying my time in the Philippines. And then it was later on, I think the next year or later on that year where I was like, hmm, you know, I think I, I really want to leave in terms of for my development at least cuz I don't really see myself maximizing my potential here anymore. Like I've I've done everything I need to do here. I've tried to played against like the best competition um and so we were looking at options reevaluating there was the UK uh in Bisham Academy um and then there was also BISP which my, my coach from BSM let me know about as well like brought it up again saying like you know they're interested in having you as well like they, they liked you so I was very fortunate about that so I ended up having a one-week trial in Phuket I went there during one of my weeks of school um and <laughs> because I got to miss a week of school it was just I was just there in Phuket like just playing just again just joining the, the training sessions for the week and then just chilling the rest of the days in the school watching the office in the library so <laughs> I, I didn't have any other work to do there's no classes but yeah and I, I did well in the trial and I, I moved like a month after that and confirmed everything you know it was tough cause leaving all my friends in the school I've been at since I was like three years old mm. but like I kind of knew what I had to do it wasn't it wasn't that hard because I, I really wanted to do it wow. we, were, we were talking a little bit weren't we earlier that, that the school in Phuket British school in Phuket they 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 seemingly do recruit quite a few kids from the Philippines now, aren't they? Yeah, they, they now definitely. There's quite a few more that... Yeah. Uh, were you the first one? So, no. Before me, there was... Was Fonzie there? Fonzie was yeah, the first one, yeah. I think. Fonzie Escobin. Um, exactly. And then... Is he, he's your year? He's a year below me. He's 2002. Year below. Yeah. Okay. So, he's, yeah. he's still there. We're obviously still in touch. Yeah. And then, I think, the, the same year as me, um, but in August, so I came in like January, the August prior to that year, three or four filipinos came yeah. and they all came in one wave yeah and just like started a new trend of like pinoys and what was that what what was the sort of rationale behind it how did that all sort of come about i think i don't know i think they just kind of like there was a um i was talking to the guys uh, francis wilmer and dove and they were saying how they they were part of a group and they all came to phuket to try out and so i mean they impressed the coaches and they yeah. were all able to get scholarships and they yeah. came, yeah, which is great. Because I'm guessing it's quite an expensive school to Oh yeah, for to. sure. It's yeah. I think it's like the same as like a BSM, yeah. these international schools, which is kind of a lot of money. Yeah, so I'm guessing a lot of these kids have got scholarships to, yeah. to play there. Mm -hmm. oh, that's wonderful. It's great. Because yeah, I mean, Fonzie, Fonzie was with, with Kaya, with our academy, when he was about 11 years old, he was a bit of a man-child. <laughs> yeah. He was enormous, <laughs> but, but really, really good player. Uh -huh. He ended up, um, sort of going off the radar. I didn't even really know what happened yeah. to him. And then the next thing you know, I think even probably via one of your mum's posts, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, Fon Fonzie's <laughs> over there. So it was it was nice to see mm -hmm. him. I mean, Dov would have probably played with you at Moralco. Is that right? Yeah, was but he, well, he was a lot younger. He was younger two than Two years you. younger yeah. than me. So yeah, it's nice to see some of those kids make the step to progress in mm -hmm. their career. For because sure. I think one of the things that I've discovered with players who are based here is there is a reluctance to try to really push mm, themselves. To leave, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I, I get that it's difficult for you to leave home. Mm -hmm. I get that it's hard for you to leave friends and families, but if you are really single-minded about what you want to do and what you want to achieve yeah. in your life, yeah. sometimes you have to make those sacrifices and, and, and make that, that leap of faith, which is something that, that you've just illustrated mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. with, with what you had to do. Um, how did you find it and, and how did it impact you um, especially with your with your with your family, because I know I know they were a little bit um, <laughs> reluctant to see you go. I mean, I think during the process of me leaving and me telling them I I, I wanted to leave, they just they kind of came to terms with it because I really just it was at the point where I was in a kind of a low point because I didn't really see myself going anywhere with football and like I really wanted obviously I love the game. Why why was that? Why did you not see anything panning out here? <sighs> there wasn't opportunities. I feel and just the organization wasn't you know that good enough from whom from where i so i was uh i i used to play with the like the moralco first yeah. team um and that's again that's an i feel like i uh, not really a mistake but i was I, I was supposed to go to the the uk but i decided to stay here because i got this offer you know play with the first team mm -hmm. great quality um maybe break in hopefully while doing my education in bsm still and i, f I feel like that comfortability was just like hey let's just stay mm. and so i did um, 
and yeah, it was it was good. It was great. Like I was playing with really good players. You know, my my idols. You know, the young husbands, just seeing them at training every day, and it was really good quality. And then, uh, um, the season came around, and uh, we were talking with the PFF. I think me and the coaches, and I wasn't allowed to, like the feature in any games because I needed to get paid, which, again, for college you can't do. You have to maintain mm -hmm. amateur amateur status for to be eligible. And so, I mean, I didn't really make that much sense to me because like I'm not I'm not getting paid. Mm -hmm. uh, and they said like you know you couldn't. So there was no route for me with first team football, which I feel would have been like the height of what I could get for sure. If you know mm -hmm. it's the professional league here in the Philippines. And then after that, yeah, it was just, it was a, it was a tough like two months. Uh, just playing with my school, and again back, the, the quality level just dropped significantly. And yeah, I, I told my parents you know I just I have to get out because there's no one else I can go. So basically, the eligibility issue was what what prompted you to leave yeah. because mm -hmm. obviously on paper and I, listen just so everyone knows i met with your mum and dad we had a we had a nice dinner i don't know if you I don't know if you know this but we, we met we went out for dinner and we were sort of talking about different avenues that he could potentially pursue and there, were, there was a couple of things on the table obviously the bisham abbey one is through mm -hmm. rob yeah. gear um who i connected um his mum and dad with four or five years ago yep. probably something like that mm -hmm. and he, he went to the uk and did that um Obviously, the, the the I think Simon McMenemy was in charge of Morocco at the time. Wasn't yeah, it? You, right. Oh, when I very first came, but then when I the first first team, it was a uh, coach Aris. And coach Aris was involved. You know, it's it, for for me someone like someone like William. He, he should have been pushed into that that's that setup. You know, uh, we had loads of young kids as well who we yeah. talked about before who were of that same sort of around your era, maybe a little bit one or two years older than you, mm -hmm. who should have been pushed into that space a lot younger. And they were more than capable at 15, 16 mm -hmm. of playing in whatever it was, UFL, PFL, whatever it was at the yeah. time. But obviously because of the system being broken or not allowing for certain concessions, you know, there's, there's potentially some develop net, development there that was yeah. lost because it was a fault of the system, not a fault of your own. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, and I, and I feel like you're someone who fortunately has managed to forge a, a path, a new one, yeah. a new one and in, in maybe in actuality, it, it's, it's, it's a better one. But still, it, that pathway, that your development could have been accentuated had mm -hmm. you been able to sure. at least had that exposure yeah. at a young age. And, you know, this is just one example of many that I, I spoke about before where the system is broken and, mm. and people are falling through the cracks or people aren't maximizing their, their potential because of these sort of systematic issues that a lot of these kids are experiencing. Fortunately for you, it, it doesn't seem to have derailed you so much. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I hope moving forward is that players in your situation moving forward are, yeah. are, are able to you know bypass some of these problems because i think there 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 is certainly a lot of players who have the potential who aren't getting that exposure and are now having to explore different avenues yep. because they're not getting that that opportunity to, to mm -hmm. develop here exactly. yeah, it's it's tough i mean I, I think another thing would also be just for some reason i don't know why but a lot of the my filipino friends who've grown up locally um when i talk to them about you know when they're good at football i talk to them about you know what are your plans for the future all this it's always like go back home and I'm like and I'm, I'm kind of surprised I'm like you don't want to aspire for something else and it, it, it all comes down to like th they're scared for some reason like there's a fear of maybe the unknown like no one in their family has gone out of here or, or pushed for a dream yeah and I feel like that fear dictates them and they have so much potential and just like it goes to waste because they're scared for some reason yeah yeah and it's you know it's sad to see if it's I'm actually not too surprised by that you know like especially mm -hmm. Filipinos who, who have not gone out gone out too far and seen you know different lands and, uh, and uh -huh. all of this it's it's a scary feeling you know sure. to get far i mean uh you fortunately were exposed to a lot of different cultures uh -huh. a lot of different places For growing sure. up so i understand that the, you know i myself sometimes am uh, you know hesitant to go out of my own comfort zone even though i've i've traveled a little bit i'm always you know, given a little bit of anxiety to myself whenever I have to pack up and leave, even if it's only for a few days. So it's like, oh, you're going to spend three months over there. And you don't know how to speak English that yeah. well. That could be frightening. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I get it. I get I understand that point of view a little bit, but it's got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Right. If, if one person does it, it, it opens the door for more people to sort mm -hmm. of like follow that path on and, and see where you might be able to grow uh, abroad and, and seeing as you went to Phuket and you were able to, you know, find a new lease of life in your career as a footballer, uh, it should be something that maybe people are more open to down mm -hmm. the road, you know? Yeah. Uh, but speaking of Phuket, um, how was the quality over there? How did you find it? Uh, the experience like? And, uh, you know, like just the whole, not, not even the football, 
Yeah. Like, what was it like? I've always said this. Everyone, like, probably one of the best decisions I've made. I grew a lot, not just as a player, but person. I met a lot of new people. Um, it was, it, was, it was pretty easy as well because I had all these Filipinos that I've played against before, so I knew them. So I wasn't that uncomfortable moving in, and they, they made it, like, home for me, you know. And um, it was just a great experience for sure. Uh, the coach, Coach Jonathan, is a great coach. The way he organizes the system is, I mean, well, the program is great. Um, the player, the quality was definitely very good. You know, they recruit Brazilians, and they're very good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was always at least, I mean, when I first came, there was um, uh, this one Brazilian who was unreal. And he was just my, my dueling partner. And, you know, we talk and just, like, try and push each other nonstop. Like, we were going at each other, and that's, you know, that's how you get better. Yeah. Just pushing each other for sure. Yeah, it was, it was great. Where, where did most of your cohort, where did they end up playing? So from my team, um, I know the, that Brazilian's in the U.S. right now. He's he took one year off and then he's well, not a year off, but he spent another year playing and he probably go to college next year yeah. or he might go to uh, Europe. Um, I know the like the Pinoys, so like Francis is in UP now. Um, Wilmer's in Ateneo, um, and f- f- from my year group, there wasn't that many football players in terms no. of my like the year thirteen. Yeah. it was you know mainly just the Filipinos and uh, right. the Brazilian. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm always intrigued to find out where these kids yeah. sort of end up because I think once you've had that kind of experience and that grounding, mm-hmm. I'm always intrigued to see how they sprout off because yeah. I, I know with the program, is it attached to, is it Cruzeiro? Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. The Brazilian um, the team. Yeah. team. Mm. So yeah, whenever you, you, know, you said that some of the kids have gone off to Portugal yeah. or they've gone to other places, I'm always intrigued to see how, yeah. how that kind of kind of works out for a lot <laughs> of these kids because yeah, it sounds like a great program mm. and I'm guessing Phuket's not a bad place to... <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> to fly yeah. your trade, right? Definitely not a tough spot, huh? Definitely not. <laughs> I think the worst place is to go to school. But um, <laughs> I mean, one of the things that I also want to talk about a little bit is um, you've been involved with the youth national team uh, at under 16, 16. 16 level. So that would have been back in 2000 and... Oh, sorry, I was 15. 15. So, but it was under... Yeah, so it was uh, 2016. 2016. I was 15 years old. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, how, and how, 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 did, how would that go for you? I mean, like at that time, it was you know it was unreal. Like wow, I'm yeah. the national team playing with my idols because I knew all these guys. Um, like I've played against them before, and they're all like everyone was a year older than me, and you know, it was just great. Like they taught me, they they treated me like a younger brother. Um, again, just I, mean, I remember my un- unfortunately I got dengue <laughs> on the week of the tournament, oh, really? which is unfortunate. And which of the tournament were you preparing? So for? it was in Cambodia. Uh, th- I, I'm not sure which one. It may have been the AFC or something. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I remember. Yeah, the the day of our first game against Singapore, I started to feel sick, but I, you know, I, I thought it was just whatever. And then that night after the game, like my fever started to hit, and I was like, okay, this is not normal. Then luckily my mom was there, so he rushed me to the hospital, told me I had dengue, told me like I had to rest like two months. But then <laughs> we came uh, against the doctor's uh, advice. We came back for the last game, then I was able to play <laughs> against with <laughs> dengue. Yeah, but I had so much adrenaline; it was okay. crazy. Like. But then the adrenaline wore off in like the 70th minute. Like oh, I was you only started as well. Yeah, I was only supposed to play it for like the half. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, okay, let's coach, let's keep, let's keep going, let's keep going. Who's the coach? Uh, coach Mary. I think we call him Coach Bro as well. Yeah, Brother um, Mary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, the 70th minute, like some, just something happened. I was like, whoa, like this is not normal. Probably like, the dengue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> just, everything wore off. And I was like, okay, this is it. I raised my hand and I got yeah. subbed off and I was just... Yeah, sitting on the bench with like a coat on, in like okay, thirty-five degree weather. Yeah. yeah, but it was that was unreal. Like I got so much goosebumps, just so much pride as well, playing for your country. Yeah, you know, standing there with the national anthem. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, so that's your only experience with the youth national team today. Yeah. Okay. Why is that? Why have you not been involved in some of the other youth national team experiences? So, it, the tournaments are normally like during summer, um, and. For the, all my summers have been like just filled with football and you know my family has had to kind of move around with their plans to accommodate what I wanted to do in summers so I'm very grateful for that but so, like there's all, with all these opportunities um, you know, I got, I've got many tournaments during summers like going to Europe or just doing camps again I did my, my ID camps for college during a summer and they all just uh, like it, there was a conflict between you know do you want to represent your country or you want to, you know, work, go to Europe and possibly make something out of nothing, you know, whether it be trials or something. And again, the college ID camp I had to do because it's the only way to let the coaches see me play. Um, and I, I always kind of chose the ladder of 
just going to Europe or the US I felt for my development at least it was just a better move like with all you know I, I when I was talking about the, my experience with the national team I kind of romanticized it there was a lot of I saw a lot of uh, first hand what how the PFF handles the football and it wasn't very organized you know we were training for two months and and just we would just move around sometimes and yeah. you know then you could tell the budget wasn't that well well that that good for a you know a U16 team who wants to try and compete the training level wasn't as good you know the the, the training structures um it was kind of disorganized and as much as i loved it like there was if I, for me as a player i had to go somewhere else to continue my development better yeah, yeah. so uh, rather than trying to push through with that age category mm -hmm. playing in underage youth national team tournaments you felt yeah. for your development it was better that you went on these id camps that you went to try to pursue more individualized mm -hmm. or specialized training mm -hmm. in, in in europe etc because that's what you felt was going to be best for your long-term development yeah. is, is that what you're saying yeah exactly yeah i think that's quite a rare way to look at that mm -hmm. you know um we can see obviously that you've got immense pride in in pulling on the jersey yeah you played with dengue right yeah. i mean you, you, you're stupid right right and, and coaches what very irresponsible but yeah. whatever but so, so it can't be a case of you know wanting to play because obviously you've demonstrated that you want to play yeah. under any circumstance uh -huh. right so that that's that's great but i think one of the things that i think young players and and parents also need to see is the fact that you know looking out for your best interests as an individual and focusing on your individual player development is of primary importance mm -hmm. that really is the most important for thing sure. because you know you're, you're, it's great that you've got your teammates now mm -hmm. they're not going to be your teammates in one year two yeah, years exactly. you know then then everyone goes their separate ways and they do their, in, their, their own their own thing it's really important especially in that phase where the most growth happens it is that sort of 11 to 15 16 year you know, five-year window that you have to be maximizing your, your potential and if you're not doing those things if you're not trying to accelerate your development you know there's you're going to reach a ceiling at some point and unfortunately i think a lot of kids do go along that path of working with youth national team programs mm -hmm. and they don't get what they feel as though they should be getting yeah. out of that and they don't realize it until it's too late yeah Sad, yeah. One thing that sticks out to me in, in the story that you're telling is that you've been the driver of wanting to explore these opportunities. Is mm -hmm. that correct? It's not yeah. your parents. It, yeah, it's, it's always been me. I feel I was lucky as a child to have, like, I remember my, my my second year of playing football, I went to like Gothia Cup with MFC, then went the year after. And so I was really exposed to all this football outside in Europe. Um, yeah. And I learned, like, I was uncomfortable the very first time. Like, I was scared, you know, a lot of fear. But again like i grew so much and just within like a, a month and so from then i i was able to kind of see that all my growing came from being outside my comfort zone you know mm -hmm. making myself uncomfortable and i think with my decision making a lot of the times for the summers <coughs> it was like as well which one would make me more uncomfortable because as you wow. know, the way i judge it and so i always wanted the one which i was more scared of because i knew I'd, I'd grow more as a player that's that's a unique mindset. Yeah. I mean, it's not unique, but it's a very strong mindset to have, especially mm -hmm. as a young man. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I think also, we, we, I wanted to talk a little bit about your parents mm -hmm. because I think, again, that's a th common theme that's been running through recent um, podcasts that we've been doing. How, how have they influenced you? Um, because I, I get a feeling, I mean, listen, your parents are both very involved, but mm -hmm. also not that involved, if yeah. that kind of makes sense. Like exactly kind of what Jing was getting at with a little bit with his line of question. But I, I, I want to sort of delve a little bit more deeper into like how how involved have your parents been? What mm -hmm. sort of support have they provided? And how do you think they've helped you to get to the point that you're at now? I think they've, in terms of direction, I've kind of brought it to where I wanted to go. And I think they saw how hard I've worked to be where I'm at. And, you know, that just gave them more incentive and reason to kind of help support me because I put in so much. Mm -hmm. um, they've never like pushed me or forced me to do anything football wise. Like I've always chosen. If anything, they've just like shown me many opportunities. And they've always, my dad's always said like, you know, you got to look at all your all your options and you know, write them down, pros, cons of everything. Then you can make a decision based on what you want. And, you know, we'll go from there. But yeah, they've been very supportive for sure. And there's, I mean, they've guided me, but it's never like a force push. It's more like a, you know, if you go here, this will happen. If you go here, this will happen. You know, you make the choice yourself, which has been good. Yeah. And I think that's great because then ultimately the, everything is going to fall on 
your shoulders exactly. there. There's yeah. the, you know, you, you've got no one to blame now. You know, <laughs> exactly. However this pans out, it's going to mm-hmm. be down to you and the decisions that you made and you, you'll have to live with those those consequences, which I think if you're a footballer, that's all you really want. You want yeah. to be in charge of making your own decisions and having autonomy over your career, mm-hmm. which takes me on to back really full circle with, with Wake Forest. Because yeah. I, I want to, I want to delve into what's the the, the sort of the, the the three year three and a half uh-huh. year plan for yeah, you yeah, now yeah. because playing as a freshman at Wake Forest is very difficult yeah, and and, sure. and you found that and I don't think going into this process you probably thought I'm going to go in and start no, and play no, you know no, no. ninety minutes of every game you obviously understand that it's a process and and it's one that evolves as as your four year career um, as your four year three goes through the process. What, what do you think your plans are, if both as an individual, in the next three and a half years? Mm-hmm. And what do you think that the plans are for, for the team in, in, over this, this next three and a half years? The team, I think it's, it's obvious. We just want to win. Um, you know, we made it to the Final Four this year. We're definitely going to be trying to go to the Final Four next year, at the very minimum. Like, the, the winning culture within the team is very, very strong. And I found that within my first few weeks, the way we talk about, you know, the NCAA and, like, how we're gonna go about it, you know, just the commitment everyone has and how serious everyone is it, how serious everyone is, mm-hmm. um, you know, is very evident. Uh, so that for the team, I think it's definitely we're trying to win a, a national championship. Yeah. For me, obviously, just continue my development, try and break into the team, try and get as much money as I can, try and perform as well as I can, try and you know get look, look get scouts to look at me, um, and, you know, MLS scouts, and just really just. As right now, I feel like I just I can't really say anything for the future. I just gotta go and like work hard and see w- where it takes me and see what happens. L- let my options open up for me from hard work because I can't be saying anything like oh, I want to do this and do that. Yeah, now. of course. I just gotta you know keep my head down and keep going. So in order for you to play more of a sophomore mm-hmm. or even even play a little bit more spring ball, what, yeah, what yeah. does what what do you have to do? What what aspects of your game do you need to work on? Definitely uh, mentally, I I can't allow myself to break. And I always thought of myself as a pretty mentally strong person mm-hmm. in terms of the game but the focus there again I said it before it's like it's laser sharp yeah. you know you can't everything just gotta be happening um, tactically just trying to expand you know make sure I read the playbook inside out memorize it like back of my hand mm-hmm. um, watch as much videos as I can and then obviously getting stronger because I'm pretty small <laughs> compared to a lot of the college yeah. athletes which I found out but again I can you know I'm lucky that I'm sort of quick and agile so yeah. I can use that to my advantage, but definitely uh, get stronger um, mentally. Got to get stronger as well, and you know, obviously, it doesn't hurt like improve technically because everyone can get better. They got a playbook. Huh. Talk we to me about your playbook. Not yeah. the yeah, yeah, nuances. Yeah, I mean, like we got like the corners, all the corners we use. Yeah. You know, our defensive shape, our different kind of presses, um, the walls, how we set up. Uh, attacking corners, all yeah. that. All so you got picks. that all in a in a in a book. It's, a, it's in a pamp- like a booklet we have. Yeah. Yeah, and you make sure you memorize it. You need to know where it is. Yeah, I need to make sure I know everything. Yeah, yeah. So if you go into the, into the wall, you need to know oh, exactly. Where you, yeah, because once you get in the game, they give you the number. Then you have to go. You gotta know what you're doing. So they they have it all num- numbered. Yeah, all, everything's yeah. numbered out. Yeah. yeah, and there's directions. You know, and there's videos and stuff that w- they send us. So it's good. Yeah. Both of you guys are pretty familiar with the NCAA season. Me, not so much. Mm-hmm. So, like, how many games are you playing a- in a year, and against how many teams? So. We played for the regular season. We played around two games a week, and I think that was for September to October-ish, November-ish. Okay. And then we get into because we're in the ACC, which again is our conference and very, very strong. Do you want to name um, some of the teams that are in there? Some some names that will be very familiar in that conference. Uh, All right, throw them UNC, up. Duke, Clemson, Syracuse, uh, Notre Dame. I feel like I'm missing a lot. Boston College. All these, you know, these big hitters for sure. And yeah. You know, for basketball. They're also very big. Um, it's a very, very competitive conference. Uh, so we play, We after the regular season, we do the ACC tournament, which if we, I'm not sure how we qualify exactly, but so we, we qualified this year. We, we lost in the semis to Virginia, um, at Virginia. And so we came back early for like a week. And then we had the start of the NCAA tournament was started and we had like a, a first round bye. So we didn't have to play in the first round because we with enough points and we had won enough games so we seeded basically exactly yeah, seed. seed. um so we did the second round third round uh round of 16 and then we went on from there to the semis and then it ended li- pretty late yeah so easily more than 20 games oh, you guys are oh, playing yeah 
I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you have a sort of like a regular season, then you have a conference schedule, mm-hmm. you have an mm-hmm. in-conference schedule, then you have a sort of post-season. Mm-hmm. And if you're lucky, if you're yeah. at Wake Forest, you're going to be playing a lot of post-season <laughs> games. You know, nice. some people's post-season does not last that long. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, you're probably playing, I would say you probably end up playing maybe 22, 23 games, something I like think that. so, yeah. Something, something around that Very mark. fortunate to play. I mean, again, another goal that we set ourselves is playing the most amount of games as possible because, you know, yeah. that means you win, the, you win everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. It is a lot. In a very yeah. short sp- short time span as well. I think that's what people need to be aware of. Mm. I think the first year, j- this is maybe a little bit of advice for you as well, the first semester is always the toughest. Mm. It's very Because you're, okay, not only are you going to go in and you need to adjust from a social perspective. So, you know, you don't want to go there and not have any friends mm-hmm. and not you know, yeah, get along yeah. with anyone. So that's also, that's always a massive, massive thing that's undervalued, underappreciated when you first go. Just being able to feel at home in a completely different country with a completely new set of people at quite a fragile time 18 years old yeah. right so you still you know <laughs> you know there's probably a little bit of teenage angst still in there somewhere <laughs> i'm sure you won't admit it but there probably is you know then you've got to go in and deal with the classes right yeah. and, and and if you're at a good institution like a wake forest the classes aren't going to be a cakewalk i mean yeah. listen i took I took the easiest classes my first semester and I still struggled, you know, like, so it, it's just, a, and balancing all that is, is a problem. Yeah. Then you've got to factor in all of the, the, the football side. Yeah. You know, that's an incredible amount of things to, to adjust for in such a small period of time. Mm-hmm. And f- it'll get easier, trust me, it'll get easier. Yeah. But, you know, I think all of those things that you have to take into account that first year is so, so difficult. So I think, you know, you have to be commended on, on that front because that is a very, very mm-hmm. tough thing to, to, to deal with straight very off the tough, bat. Yeah. And, you know, when you figure out you're playing two games a week, when you figure yeah. out you're doing, you got finals, mm-hmm. you need to prepare midterms, you've got to prepare for, that's a heavy workload, mate. Yeah. It's a really heavy workload. And I think it takes a special type of individual to be able to handle that. because no, that's, for real. That's heavy. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm like I'm 30 plus, man, and that <laughs> you have no chance of there. <laughs> I don't know how I did it. What <laughs> is it? So okay, like you, you're there, you're all alone. Obviously, you've dealt with it being as you spent a year in Phuket already, uh, mm-hmm. a year and a half, right? Yeah. So you're you're used to being away from your family, but whenever you're lonely, whenever you feel detached, and you you know obviously you're still gaining a group of friends. Like, what, what do you do? What, what helps you out when you're lonely? When you you know need a shoulder or whatever? I mean, what do you do? I'm very, very fortunate that I have relationships with, with people from, you know, Manila and Phuket that I hold very close to me. And they're always there just like literally a Facebook messenger call away because right. um, they're all either in the U.S. or in the U.K. And I see in terms of the adjustment, they're seeing similar, you know, problems because of the culture. And, you know, I'm never really alone. And I, it's not like going to in to university. I, I wasn't really looking for friends. You know, if, if, if they came, they came. But I was really very comfortable with the, the people, the friends I have already. So. Yeah. It was never that much pressure on me. Yeah. Wow. All right, just easy peasy, huh? Yeah. We just <laughs> batted that one away real hard. <laughs> well, I mean, it was it was tough, but like I had them with me, you know, I, I just called them nonstop, which is great. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so the internet helps a lot. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. I was, sure. pre- I was pre-internet, mate. I was like phone cards. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I can was, imagine. I was phone cards and like, oh my gosh. Like, I didn't call my mum for the first like two weeks. <laughs> and the coach came into my room and was like, your mum's called the office. Like, is he there? Yeah, like, no, yeah, he's there. He's there. Mom. Don't worry about it. So yeah, I had to, I had to call it. But no, I think the internet should help. But still, it's it's it's, yeah. it's it, again, it's commendable that you're able mm-hmm. to to deal with that because that's a lot to take on. Yeah, with, uh, and it it gets easier. So, okay, good. So yeah, don't don't worry about it too much. I, I, the last thing I want to sort of cover with you is is we talked a little bit about your plans with. Um, with Wake Forest and we've already identified pretty much it's just just try and get by yeah. you know whatever yeah. whatever next year holds whatever next semester holds and we sort of keep it as that focus well, that, but you did say MLS is something that you've kind of got in terms of your long term vision is something that you got an eye on is what what else is kind of in your hopes and dreams for the future like do you have aspirations to play at the pro, pro level here MLS national team what's the, the sort of the big future plan for, for you I think for any football player that wants to like really go and push Europe was always the biggest thing yeah. you know one of the okay. biggest leagues like you know Portugal Spain the UK Germany mm-hmm. anywhere like that so that will obviously be um, one of my goals I just need to find a way to get there um, and again it just comes back to gotta keep performing you know hopefully catch a nine maybe make a few connections like I've, I've gone to Portugal a few times to train with some teams there mm-hmm. um, and so I've made some connections but again yeah, th- that's kind of like the main thing at the end hopefully we'll see Okay. Maybe like a Europe. Damn. 
All right. Well, you know, I'd definitely be, you know, looking out and seeing how you progress over in Wake Forest. And mm-hmm. it'd be nice to have like a, a homegrown product <laughs> playing in Europe. You yeah, know? I, I think one of the things just I, I've known you for a while. Uh, I, I know both your parents. I think one of the things that has stood out for me in this interview is just what you have to do in order to get to the level where you're at right now. Right. right? No, we're not talking about, you know, going to the next level, which yeah. is actually, you know, featuring more in a wake for you know, a program like a wake forest. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, this is the type of detail that you have to, yep. um, you know, focus on, you know, the, the emails, how you communicate, how you conduct yourself. Um, you know, one of the things you just said there, which is really striking is I was prepared to go to wake forest and make no friends and just be focused on, yeah. you know, stuff like that yeah. is, is, I don't think it's in everybody's, it's not in the forefront of everyone's mind. Yeah. And I think everyone says they want to make it. Everyone says they want to do great things. And But until you actually really get down to the nitty gritty of what you have to do in order to get to that level, then all of a sudden, ah, actually, I don't fancy doing that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't fancy being on my own and, you know, mm-hmm. being up till 12 at night, exactly. you know, reading the playbook. You know, yeah. I'd much rather go out drinking with, with, yeah. with yeah, my yeah, buddies. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and exactly. I think that that is something that gauging the interview that we've that we've had and, and and your responses to a lot of these questions that's something that's really stuck out for me um i've known that other coaches have said this about you before um your mom and dad always say that about you but they're your parents they have to say nice things um but but the, the focus element for me is the thing that, that has stood out and I, I think for any young kid that's out there that wants to and uh, aspires to, to to play at any kind of level I think should listen to this and, and take that on board because if you really want to be successful, these are the types of sacrifices that you have to make. You know, are you going to be willing at 14, 15, 16 years yeah. old to move to another country where you don't know anyone, um, leave your parents, leave your family and be willing to put all your eggs in, in that basket? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how many people really are. Yeah. I don't know how many people are. And, you know, for you to, to be willing to put yourself out there and do that, I think that shows incredible courage and it shows a lot of people who I think um, are probably a little bit further down the, the, the footballing pathway. Maybe they're a kid that's a, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, and, and they want to potentially play at a really good level. These are the types of things that, that, that you have to do if you really want to pursue mm-hmm. football as a career. That's, that's one sure. of the takeaways that I've, I've yeah. got. What, any, t- any big takeaways from you? Two words, mostly, uh, just two things actually, uh, ambition and single-mindedness. Yeah. You know, like um, your willingness to reach further than a, a lot of where people see uh, as the the limit of where they can reach, it seems as if you've you looked much further than that, and saw the pathway that you could take to get there, and then you it it, it was all about your single mindedness to take you all the way over to the playing in the NCAA, mm-hmm. and you picked up the, the the game a little late. You know, people yeah. are usually touching the ball at five or six and seven. They're getting through, you know, the the age groups as, as from that time. You picked up the ball at eleven, so mm-hmm. or ten and eleven. So that's it's a bit later, but you bridge that gap based on just your passion for the game and your willingness to to put yourself in mm-hmm. uncomfortable situations. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 tough. It's it's a tough ask to tell people to like find the most uncomfortable place that you could possibly be and then put yourself there. It's like yeah. nobody wants to do that. Yeah. So, um, I think your willingness to do that has put you in in the position that you're in right now. So, mm-hmm. hey man, congratulations! Thank it's you. it's been a pleasure, kind of like you know, un, unpacking your journey over the last few years, mm-hmm. and it's. It's cool to see, man, that you're you're putting yourself in that position to succeed. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, um, you know, in a big way over the next few years in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any last thoughts for you? Anything you wish you wish we had asked you that we didn't? I think you covered quite a lot. Did we? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, thank okay. you. W- one question that I would like to sure. ask, right? I mean, you've had an opportunity to play with a lot of the footballers here, you know, from all over the Philippines, provinces, and whatnot, um, who might have a similar skill set to you right or not too far away yeah, yeah, in yeah. terms of of technique mm-hmm. what is your advice to individuals like that who who want to reach as far as they can yeah. but perhaps are limited by certain beliefs yeah i, th- I think i said i touched on it before just about fear like you just can't be scared you know like dream don't be scared to dream that's you know you should definitely dream you know um at least to ambition but again just don't be scared of not making it don't be scared of what people have to say about you a lot of people aren't going to believe in you. There's, there's going to be a lot of hate. Like, uh, I got a lot of hate before about the most random stuff. Um, but again, just you know, just don't be afraid and just keep going. Just don't be scared. And you know, if you, if you're not scared, it'll take you a long way. I think. Yeah. Brilliant. 
perfect that's a great final point i think yeah. but it's been a pleasure to have you on on Thank the show i think you. yeah like we said a lot of the young kids a lot of parents will be listening to that and, mm-hmm. and be really uh, amazed by your your journey how you've gone about it and um you know i for one have, have watched you grow uh, as a player i'm really excited to see <laughs> how things develop for you at, at wake forest and, yeah. and beyond mm-hmm. um and fair play to you mate you've done a really you're a really great great job up until now just want to wish you all the best in uh in your footballing pursuits and and whatever happens will happen (laughs) and uh but no you should you should be really proud of yourself for all Mm -hmm. all of the things that you've achieved thus far and and we we really eagerly anticipate you having a a wonderful football career thank you thank you appreciate it thank you for having me thanks for coming on of course if you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to our YouTube, Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. And as usual, please do rate and review the show. If you enjoyed it, please do tell a friend and spread the word. And please do hit us up on their social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. See you guys next time for the next Football Friday.